Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I want to talk tonight, but I'm going to come in through a different door. I want to talk about the Holy Ghost. I do not understand Jesus' last name is Christ. Stay with me right there, Brother Matt Townsend. And the word Christ means anointing. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is his function. He's Jesus the anointing. So Jesus, the man, came and died, rose again, and went back and sat at the right hand of the Father. But Christ never left the earth. Christ just tried to find a new body to settle on. That's why Jesus said, go and tarry in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit was waiting on another body for Christ. The Christ is trying to settle on another body. We sing about the Father. We preach about the Father. We sing about the Son. We preach about the Son. We write write books about the Father and the Son. Nobody preaches about the Holy Spirit. Nobody sings about Him. Nobody writes books about Him. And we've shut Him out of our churches, but He's the only one still in the earth. Somebody help me with that. The Father is in heaven and Jesus is at His right hand. We talk about them all the time. But the, Jesus, but, but the Christ is the only one still in the earth, and we've told him to stay in the foyer. We can do this without you. I do believe you can be full of the Holy Ghost and be current. I don't know why people think you've got to be dated if you have a spirit-filled service. And I think that one of the things that I've been called to do in this, what I'm calling this last run that I'm going to give it, It's been called to create a wineskin that is current and relevant and speaks to our generation, but is still full of the Spirit of God. There is a way where you can hit that thing right down the middle, and I'm chasing that. And so I want to talk tonight, but I'm going to come at it from a totally different angle than most Pentecostals would come. And I want to start reading at 1 Corinthians 2 and chapter 6. All right, can I read it to you now? However... We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. What? We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery? What does that even mean? The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages For our glory, you're not going to hear that phrase much, our glory. You'll hear about his glory, but there's something you have to speak. It is in a mystery. It is the hidden wisdom of God. It was ordained before your mother and father ever met each other, and it was ordained for your glory. None of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For as it is written, no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. 
For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Last verse. These things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Ecclesiastes 3. Verse 1, to everything there's a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Verse 11. He's made everything beautiful in its time. But he's also put eternity in their heart time and eternity, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Verse 15, that which is has already been, and what is to be has already been. Did y'all hear that? That which is has already been. That which is to be has already been. So, Father, bless your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. I'm going to come on the floor and preach y'all on my phone because I did not expect to preach this message and had no other notes with me. So you're going to get the Apple version tonight. Is that all right? Can I come down here and talk to you? Y'all all right? Got a little bit left in you over here? Okay. I was raised a Pentecostal boy. That means I've seen everything. (laughs) You don't have a story that I haven't seen. I don't care what church you went to. (laughs) I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I mean, have you seen them walk the back of pews? Eyes closed walk the back of pews. I've seen them do it. How many of you seen them miss the pew and fall? I've seen that too. (laughs) Running laps used to be a common occurrence. We had some people run laps in California Sunday. I was told before I went to California, they would never accept my style of ministry. And I looked, and we were directing traffic Sunday. Had people running in every kind of direction in church. So I've seen them running laps. I saw one guy, elderly gentleman, he ran so many laps, he must have got tired. He ran out the back door, came walking back in five minutes later with a Sprite and took another one. seen one guy run into a wall. Every time we'd have a good service, he'd run into the wall and hit it and back up. And then he'd run into the wall and he'd hit it and back up. I sit on the back row. I wasn't saved really back then. And so I, I called him Ricochet Rabbit. I remember every time he just hit that wall and hit it and just hit it. I don't know what was going on. He'd just back up three steps and bust it and back up three steps. I've seen all kind of stuff. <laughs> I've seen every kind of offering. I've seen dance around your wallet three times, skip on your right leg and scrout. Yeah! I've seen everything, and people walk out just as broke as they came in. <laughs> I've seen everything. I remember we had, we used to go to camp meetings. And uh, I hate to say it, I'm old enough to remember when it was sawdust and open air, and they did it in July. Why do you have something open air in July? And I remember my dad would drag me to those camp meetings, and we'd stay there, and they lasted five hours, you know, and they didn't have any children's church. You sit with your mama, and your mama's fingernails are that long, 
And if you get to squirming after the third hour of singing, then she take the inside of your thigh and twist it. And then you let out a yell, and then the, the Holy Ghost moves all over. It starts all over again because they think one of the teenagers done got hit by God. How many of you had a grandmama with a family Bible? I got people, they don't even know what we're talking about in here. Nobody's raising that. Used to be a big old family Bible on the coffee table at grandma's house. Weighed about 60 pounds. The outside of it was wood, and nobody ever read it. My grandma, it stayed on the same page from the time I was one till I graduated high school. Nobody ever reads them. But they sit on the coffee table. Honorable to have one. Well, we used to go to this camp meeting, and there was this other gentleman that would bring his family Bible to camp meeting. That thing's like a dumbbell. And so he would get behind everybody that was kneeling at the altar, and he would close his eyes and do his head like this and hold that family Bible. And I guess the Holy Ghost would speak to him, and he'd stop. And whenever he stopped, he'd look, and whoever he was behind, he'd take that family Bible. Bam! Just go right up the back of the head. After about three years of this, I'd see him coming out of my peripheral. I got tired of that. I just lay out. <laughs> We've got a generation of millennials who are scared of the Holy Spirit because they think he's weird. Come on, I came to talk to you. I came all the way across the nation. <laughs> I'm on talk. And all that stuff I saw, you know, I looked at it and I'm like, you know what? If the Holy Spirit's going to make me do that, I'm not sure. I just don't know if I want to bump into a wall. <laughs> I'll take Jesus. He seems to be all right. But when you get this Holy Spirit guy into the equation, it just starts coming off the rails. <laughs> and then I opened my Bible one day, and I never saw bumping into walls. I never saw walking on pews, but I saw deliverance. I saw healing. I saw the prophetic. I saw signs and wonders, and I saw miracles. But I never saw weird. I saw power. I saw the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. I saw words of wisdom. I saw words of knowledge. I saw supernatural faith. I saw all those things, and I wanted that. That sounded like a life that I wanted. That sounded like things I wanted to operate in. And so I had to begin to filter out who is the Holy Spirit versus everything that I've seen up until this time. And after I started filtering out all the stuff that made the Holy Spirit look weird, and I had to tell, I had to tell my children, I said, all that's not the Holy Spirit. I said, much of that is people's response to the Holy Spirit. And I still respond to them. Look, I love to jerk and huck and buck. I love to. I can jerk and huck and buck and snot and sling with the best of you. I can go all night. I can run, you run a lap, I promise you, I'll catch you a second time around. I can get you. 
But we've got to understand, we are now talking to a generation who is not into churchese. But just because they are not schooled in the things of the Spirit does not mean I can shut the Holy Spirit out of their life. I hear millennial preachers all the time talking about purpose and potential and all that. You can't talk about potential and not talk about the Holy Spirit. How how, how are you going to reach your potential and not know the Holy Spirit? That's a hypocritical, contradictory statement in its whole essence. There is no way to fulfill who you are without the Holy Spirit. There's no way to reach your potential. There's no way to go from one season to a next season. He is the driving wheel in your life. He is the guide for your life. You can't move forward without the Spirit of God. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. (laughs) And so... I think what I've come tonight to do is take the time that I've got left, and I just, I know being in a room full of spirit-filled people, I know the normal way that the Holy Ghost is approached, but I want to come in from a different vein tonight, and I want to hopefully reveal a side to the Holy Spirit that maybe doesn't get preached all that often. So Holy Spirit, help me to do it in Jesus' name. Tell your neighbor on both sides, say, here we go, here we go again, here we go, here we go. All right, phone, I need you to stay on. Hallelujah. The anointing. The anointing. When you're talking about the anointing, you can't talk about the anointing without talking about the kingdom. Some of you say, I heard he was a preacher. When's he going to kick it in and drop? Just hold on a minute. Roll with me here. Roll with me. When Jesus said he's bringing a kingdom, whenever a king is bringing a kingdom, you're talking about the extension of a rule. So Jesus is coming. John the Baptist is saying the kingdom is at hand. In other words, heaven is about to extend itself into earth. I'm all about a second return of Jesus. I believe there is a literal second return of Jesus. But unpack your bags. He is not coming tomorrow at 11. Because until the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to the whole earth, the end will not come. And not only does the earth not know the kingdom, the church don't know the kingdom. I lost a lot of my vault subscribers right there. Because your bags were packed. Get your bags unpacked. Because before he gets the church out of the earth, he's trying desperately to find some people who can bring heaven into the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So while I'm waiting to leave, I'm supposed to be bringing what he's got. Amen? So I've got to understand when Jesus come, he is bringing the extension of the rulership of heaven into earth. The kingdom of God is invading earth through the person of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus, there's nothing to demean the centrality of Jesus in as the center theme of our faith. But please understand something. Jesus was the box. And we get down and we have Christmas over the box. Jesus was trying to bring us something. He was trying to bring us a kingdom. There's something in the box. But we get so fixated on the box, you miss what was inside the box. There was a kingdom inside of Jesus. Unwrap Jesus and you will find a kingdom. Come on, somebody. Do you see what I'm talking about? And Jesus was obsessed with his kingdom. It's all he talked about. 
I don't care what he did. If he saw a piece of fruit, he told him. If he saw wheat, he said the kingdom is like. If he saw tares, he said the kingdom is like. If he saw a seed, he said the kingdom is like. If he saw mustard seed, if he saw a fig tree, it didn't matter. If he saw sheep, if he saw goats, did not matter what it was. He said the kingdom is like. If he saw a lost coin, if he saw a lost boy, if he what whatever he saw, the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like. The kingdom is like. And I got a four-year Bible degree. I never had one class on the kingdom. And I remember, I don't remember ever having one day in one class where we talked about the kingdom. So the only thing Jesus talked about, I got a degree and we never talked about. So we are doing a great job preaching Jesus. We're doing a terrible job preaching the message Jesus preached. Woo, I might not make it back next year. We've got to unwrap the box and find out what's in the box. Jesus was a man filled with the Spirit. And Jesus the man came to take care of sin. Because the Spirit could not cohabitate with the sin. So the man Jesus came to be sin for us. So that I might become righteous. So in other words, I could take on what he had, he could take on what I had, and I would then become a vessel befitting an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came bringing the Holy Spirit because his design was for him to take care of the thing which made me not available to have it. So he took the sin out of me so that the Spirit of God could not just be with me but could be on the inside of me. Do you understand? Go read the whole book of Ephesians. I'm going somewhere. Go read the whole book of Ephesians. The whole book of Ephesians is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. When you talk about the anointing, you talk about the residency of the Holy Spirit. So if I look at Brother Wallace and I say, man, that guy's anointed. What am I talking about? I'm talking about I see evidence that the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of him. And when I hear him sing and I say, man, that is an anointed singer. That's an anointed musician. I have evidence that the Holy Spirit resides inside that person. So when you talk about the anointing, when you talk about Christ, you talk about the residency of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible says in Ephesians, everything that you have, you don't have it in Jesus. You have it in Christ. Go read the whole book in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in the anointing, in the, in, the residency of the, in the residency of the Holy Spirit. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. My God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory by What he does, he does by the anointing. In case you didn't know, Jesus went back to heaven and sat down. And you're not going to get him up. Because he's finished. Maybe I should have come Wednesday night. I'm on an assignment if you'll roll with me. Nod your head if you're rolling with me. Are you rolling? Okay. My wife even said, she said, man, you've been in this room all day today. I I know I'm coming with an assignment. Okay. So I've got to understand then that the Bible says in Colossians 3 that my life is hidden with God in Christ. Wow. Let me use you an example right quick. 
So, come out here if you would and just turn toward them. Thank you so much. I won't keep you up here long. So, Ron Carpenter, his life is hidden with God in the anointing. Mm. We are not the body of Jesus. We are the body of the anointing. And your life can't move forward until you have the mind of the. I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm anointed. Yeah, but can you think on the level of your anointing? Because as you're anointed, not are you, as a man thinketh, you arrive at your thought life. So the Bible says, set your mind on things above where Christ is. So I've, for my life to go somewhere, he talked about new season tonight. He didn't know what I was going to preach on. In other words, for me to move deeper into my anointing, then I have got to be able to think on the level of my anointing. What if you have been anointed to be a billionaire, but you think like a pauper? What if you've been anointed to be powerful, but you think like a weakling? What if you've been anointed to be great, but you think like a victim? You will arrive not at the area of your anointing. You will arrive at the area of your thought life. It's not whether or not you're anointing. It's whether or not you can think on the level of your anointing. And I've seen people with a great anointing, but a pitiful mind. And their life stays stuck in a same, content, the containment of smallness, who have great, great, preached the paint off the wall and got eight people in the storefront for 20 years. Why? Because they never think on the level of their anointing. So you've got to understand, you never outlive the level of revelation you have. That's why the Spirit is also the Spirit of wisdom, and He's the Spirit of revelation. He's constantly taking the lid off your mind to raise your thinking. Why? Because it's impossible to live above the level you think. Holy Ghost, you are preaching tonight. Hallelujah. So I'm dead, and Ron Carpenter is hidden with God inside of the anointing. Do you know why you got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Till we all reach the full measure of the stature of the anointing. That's the only reason we still have jobs. Until we all reach the full measure of the stature of Christ. I am not an example of the anointing by myself. You're not an example of the anointing by yourself. But when you get all of us together, we become the full measure of the stature of Christ. Can I keep preaching it? I feel like I'm having a massage this hard. Are we all right? Are you all right with me? Come on, you can't suck this through no straw. This is like cube steak. You're going to have to put this in your jaw and just suck on it a little while. Okay, So my life is hidden right here, but I've got to set my mind on things above where he is. Okay, let me move forward on top of that right there. Touch your neighbor and say, it's going to get easier now. It's going to get easier. Okay. 
So now, your whole life, past, present, and future is inside of you. Hidden in the anointing. Which means now whatever God's going to do is not going to be externally and come into me. Whatever God's going to do is already in me and it has to be pushed out. I'm building a house. Just hang with me. I'm building a house. Brick by brick. So now whatever God's going to do is going to have to be. We're waiting for something to come out of the air duct and hit us. Uh-uh. It's already in you. Your whole life is already in you. It's hidden in the anointing. Whoo, hallelujah. I could shout all by myself just on that one right there. It's in the anointing. Now, what does God do? Whenever God wants something, listen to me now. Whenever God wants something, he doesn't speak to what he wants. He speaks to what holds it. God didn't say, let there be fish. He said, let the waters bring forth. In other words, everything for fish was already in the water. So he spoke to the water and said, turn the fish loose. Because potential for fish were already in the water. He didn't speak to fish. He spoke to what held fish and told it to turn fish loose. God didn't say, let there be Saturn, Uranus, Jupiter, and Mars. God said, let the heavens bring forth. In other words, the potential for stars and moons and planets were already in the heavens. So God commanded the heavens to turn put loose their potential because their potential was already in the heavens. God didn't say, let there be tomatoes and potatoes and cucumbers and cabbage. God said, let the earth bring forth its seed and every fruit. God said for the earth to turn loose of what was already in it. Come on. Because the potential for every seed was already in the earth. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? And when God wanted me and you, he looked in the mirror and said, let us make man in our image. You didn't come from your mom and daddy. You came out of God. And when God wanted you, he spoke to himself and you came out. Somebody high five your neighbor and say, God is about to speak to my potential. Come on. God is about to speak to my potential. I feel something moving in this place tonight. God's about to speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. Speak. Go. Tonight, you look, something's going to pop out of you that's never popped out of you before. Somebody shout hallelujah. You seeing what I'm saying? So now, when God speaks to your spirit, your life is already hidden inside of it. So God will speak to your spirit and your spirit has to give up what's already in it. Just like the water, just like the heavens, just like the earth, and just like himself. Whatever God wants, he speaks to the thing that holds it. The thing that holds it has to turn it loose. So when God speaks to your spirit, it means he knows that the fruit of what he's saying to it already abides on the inside of you. Oh, can I go further? Can I keep pushing it? I got these notes on my phone, but they're not doing me much good right now. God hides things. 
your life is hidden. Why? Why? Hidden with God in Christ. He who dwells in the secret. God's a hider. Whenever you pray, don't do as the Pharisees do, but go quietly and pray in the secret place. And what you pray in secret, God will reward. Go into your secret place. He who dwells in the secret place. You speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery. God calls our relationship with Jesus a mystery. God calls your relationship with your wife a mystery. You already knew that, didn't you? Amen. A mystery. (laughs) Mysteries, secrets, secret places, hidden. Why? Why? Seek ye first the kingdom. Because God will not give the kingdom to the casual. The casual demands the seeker. I mean, the kingdom demands the seeker. God will not give it to the casual. Go read Mark chapter 4. Jesus spent all day teaching the kingdom, all day. And then the disciples got him by himself and said, why do you speak to them in code? He said, when you speak thus, you talk plain. He said, but when you get in front of the multitude, you start telling stories. Because the kingdom is not the story. The kingdom is behind the story. And to the casual reader, they're going to read the story of the wheat and tares and say, ain't that nice? But the kingdom is not the wheat and tares. The kingdom is the truth behind the curtain. And so you have to be a seeker to be able to get the kingdom that's behind the curtain. Jesus looked back at his disciples and said, you know why I don't tell them? Because I don't want them to know. He said, I don't want them to know. He said, because they're a bunch of freeloaders. He said, they're here for the five loaves. They're here for the two fish. They're here for the meals. They're here for the feeding line. He said, they don't care nothing about me and don't care nothing about the kingdom. He said, and I'm not going to give it to takers. He said, I'm going to give it to seekers. I ain't got no help nowhere in this building. I'm going to give it to seekers. I told you I was going to come and teach tonight. So what we've got to learn now about the Holy Spirit, and here's where I'm going to start turning this curve. This right here, this revelation helped me understand the Holy Spirit more than everything else I've been brought up in and everything I've taught in every class I've taken. God does not live in time. Now, we say that. I heard a lot of amens, and I heard a lot of your rights, but listen to our prayers. When we pray, we act like we are God's informant. God, do you know how bad I'm hurting? No, would you let me in on it? I have no clue. Do you know what they just did? God, do you know the pressure I'm under? God, do you know that Friday is the deadline? Like he don't know. So we talk to God like we're giving him information he does not have. And we act like God knows yesterday, lives in today, and don't have a clue about tomorrow. Not understanding that God does not live in time, time lives in God. God is Alpha, Omega, beginning, end, author, and finisher simultaneously. He is the beginning and the end at the same time. Time lives inside God. God is not getting older. God can't learn. God can't increase. 
God can't get better. God can't grow. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? (laughs) Because God has never forgotten anything. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, we live in time, and here's my frustration. When something's frustrating me, I want God to get as frustrated about it as I am. And it frustrates me when I can't frustrate him about what's frustrating me. If I'm upset, I want him to be upset. If I'm stressed, I want him to stress. But when I pray, God does not get up off the throne and start wiping sweat off his head and say, what am I going to do? 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 God lives outside of time. Catch this, Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus. And look what he said. Everything is perfect in its time. He said, but God has put eternity in their heart. So that no one knows the beginning from the end. So I got eternity living on the inside of me. And then he says, but to God. Now, I don't know beginning to end. But listen to what he said about God. He said, everything that is has been. And everything that is to be has been. That's why when God speaks to anyone in the word, he speaks to them by their end. Hey, Simon, thou art Peter. You just don't know it yet. Right now, you're watery and you're like a reed. They'll blow you around anywhere and you become whatever crowd you're hanging around. But I tell you, you are Petra. You are a rock. And there'll be a time you'll be steadfast and unmovable. He calls Gideon, who's hiding behind a wine press. Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. The man's hiding. Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He goes to Jacob, whose name means trick and deceiver, and says, thou art Israel, a prince. So whenever God speaks, he speaks to what he already knows you are because your potential is in his background. That's why the... Have you ever noticed that everything God said you have, he puts it in past tense? Those he predestined. Those he foreknew, he did predestine. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Everything he says about you has got an ED on the end of it. Why? Because in God, it's past tense and it's already finished and it's been done. Come on, somebody. Do you understand this? You got to understand. To God, it's already finished. It's already been done. To heaven, it's already written. Oh. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me now. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. So here's the thing. I live in time. God lives in eternity. I see my life as past, present, and future, which I'm clueless. God looks at my life as a painted canvas that is finished. God is not wondering what's going to happen to me tomorrow. God looks at the whole picture. Because in the heavenlies, your life is finished. But in earth, you are living it out. May I mess with your mind just one more time? 
Do you know what we are doing? We are here in the earth every day, slowly becoming what we already are. Do you know why we're preaching this conference and why we're preaching tonight and why they're preaching Sunday? Trying to get your mind to catch up with what your anointing already knows. Your anointing already knows you're powerful. It already knows you're successful. It already knows you're prosperous. It already knows that you've got great things ahead. It already knows this greatness. It already knows you're gifted. But it's waiting for your mind to catch up. Oh, be ye not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove that which is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Somebody take five seconds and give God a praise in this place because something's going to happen in the realm of our thinking that's going to shift us to a new place. Three, two, one. Shout hallelujah. One more time. Shout hallelujah. Oh. Am I all right? All right. Now sit back down. You can't see me if you're standing up. Am I working? I'm working this one. Somebody better feed me good. I don't want no salad after this one. I'm working hard. Something has to die tonight that I live. Hallelujah. (laughs) Isaiah 40. Six, for I am the Lord thy God, and there is none like me. And then he gives the definitive of what separates him from every other being. I am the Lord thy God, and there is none like me, knowing the end from the beginning. I am different from everyone and everything because I knew the end when I started. I knew how it would finish before I initiated it. That's why he makes those bold statements. I know all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called to God. How do you make statements that bold over billions of people? You make statements like that. Why? Because God didn't start in chapter 1. He started in chapter 12, and then he started rolling it back and made sure chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 all fit into the end result that he's already written. God knows your life from the end backwards. (laughs) So he speaks to your end. He's put everything you are inside of your anointing, inside the residency of the Holy Spirit. And he's the only one that knows the end from the beginning. Now, who knows a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? For no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it ever entered into the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery. Hidden wisdom ordained before God ever said, let there be light for your glory. That word glory right there in the Greek means advancement. 
So you've got a God who knows you from the end back and did not start your life till he was finished. <laughs> and now he's saying, who knows the man except the spirit of in him? And who knows God save the spirit of God? So here's what I find out from the Godhead. You have three, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. We like to say the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but the Son, Jesus, was his earthly name. His eternal name is Word, and the Word became flesh. I'm having too much fun. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. So I understand now that the Spirit of God, Pastor Tony, is the inquisitive one. Who knows God save the Spirit of God? And Jesus says himself, there are things he don't know. But who knows God except the Spirit of God? So the Spirit of God gets inside the mind of the Father and he tours your life. And then Jesus said in John 16... When the spirit of truth comes, catch this, he will be your guide. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Didn't say he's going to bump into walls. When he comes, he'll be your guide. So he's gotten into the mind of God for who knows God except the spirit of God. Now he's come out of eternity and into time. And he's toured my life in the father's mind. And so now who knows a man except the spirit of a man which is in him. So my Holy Spirit, my born again nature knows everything about Ron Carpenter past present, and future. Everything there is to know about me. So now that we've had the revelation that everything I can ever be is already in me, how do I get it out? <laughs> how do I get it out? <laughs> okay. How do you birth it? How do you manifest it? Well, I grew up classical Pentecostal, and then I got taken in a little while by the faith people. And they taught me that for faith to be activated, somebody has got to say something. <laughs> so the Bible says, we speak, speak. You've got to put it in the atmosphere. We speak, the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery for our glory, hidden before the ages for our glory. Not which human wisdom teaches, but which the Spirit teaches. For you can't get this at a preacher. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it ever entered the heart of a man. So I don't care how good your mentor is, and I thank God for them. He don't know what the Holy Spirit knows. So we move 
to 1 Corinthians 14.2, and this is what we read. When do I speak the wisdom of God in a mystery? For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So you're going to tell me about my future and tell me how to reach my potential and not introduce me to the Holy Spirit? (laughs) That doesn't even make biblical sense. I'm like, what Bible are you reading from? (laughs) You can't give me the four keys to reaching my potential because there ain't but one person who knows it. And you've left him in the parking lot. So I have no way of introducing you to you until I introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And then when you get introduced to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit introduces you to you because he comes out of eternity into time and then he starts rubbing his hand and says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no has it ever entered the heart of a man. But Lord God has got plans for you. Let's get the adventure started right now. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout hallelujah. Woo! So, Pastor, here's where I'm at. I go to conferences everywhere. The things are branded. Next season. I spoke at one that just branded next. Then I go to next conferences, next level. Then I go to another one called New Dimension. (laughs) And nobody's talking. About the Holy Spirit. The preachers are showing you what they did at their church. But what I did at my church may not be your next. I can tell you what I'm building is not going to look like what they're building in South Carolina, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Because I got a different group, so I have a different next. Because I'm in a different place. And they hear it a different way. So Ron Carpenter's going to have to look different than he's ever looked before. And only God knows what that looks like. I ain't got nobody to go to anymore. I have to have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, who am I and what is my next? And what am I going to look like in this next season of my life? And what do you want me to do? And what do you want it to be like? And what do you want it to sound like? And what do you want me to preach like? And what vocabulary do you want me to use? i got to have the Holy Ghost. I've got to have the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And for those of you in the generation behind me who you've been told, leave him at the door. You can build it without him. You can build a church without him. 
but you can't build the person without him. And that's why our churches are bigger than they've ever been, but we've had less impact on our culture than we've ever had. Our culture is headed straight down the toilet while our buildings are full. So I know how to fill up a building, but I don't know how to take you into the person that God's created you to be until I tell you about the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me out. I need a shout up in this place. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who's listening in. I don't know who's watching, but I feel the weight of God on this moment. I know this is different. I know it's not a sermon. I know it may not be highly inspirational, but I'm going to tell you, I feel the weight of this. I feel the weight of a generational assignment. He's not weird. He is my future. He is the giver of every gift I possess. He is the only one in the earth that knows my tomorrow. He is the only one that can pull my potential out of me. There's nobody's table I can sit at who can read to me who I'm supposed to be five and ten years from now. But the Holy Ghost is my God. I got grandkids. I got four grandkids, got another one on the way. And when I did this thing, Disney World, with all my kids, I thought I was delivered forever. And then I started having grandkids. And my wife initiated this process all over again. But I remember the first time I took my kids to Disney World, little country boy in a little town. I went to Disney World, and to me it was overwhelming. Where do you go? I don't know where a bathroom is. I don't know where an ice cream is. I don't know what I want to ride. I don't even know what they got here. So the first time we ever went, we got a guide. I don't want a guide who has never toured the park. So if the Holy Spirit is my guide, He's already toured my life. (laughs) And we Pentecostals, we always think of the Holy Spirit in the context of power. Power. We don't got it. We change our voice. Power. That mean look. Power of the Holy Ghost. But nobody ever told me he was my intelligence. (laughs) I just thought he was power. He's my intelligence. And there's nowhere else to go get it. And we have a generation held captive in frustration at the lack of forward movement in their life while we have people leading them that will not introduce them to the only person of the Godhead that is in the earth. (laughs) 
We won't touch him because we think he makes our service weird. No, he don't make your service weird. He makes life awful. If you don't have him, it's awful. Because you're up to your own capacity to try to figure out a tomorrow that only God knows. I end with this one. Jude, verse 20. Building yourself up in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost was the punchline. Let me move back. Most holy faith. There's faith. There's better. And then there's most. You can't increase on most. And the most holy faith, the pinnacle of faith, you cannot have a higher level of faith than praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you are praying in a language you do not know. Mysteries you do not know. From an age you were not born in. Hidden behind something you can't see to a God you can't see and believing for it to come to pass in your life. But we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery. When do I speak the wisdom of God? When a man speaks in a tongue, he utters mysteries. We thought, we thought when somebody was able shatter, we thought that meant the service was getting good. That's not what tongues is for. Tongues is you declaring your tomorrow. Yes. Who is it hidden from? Your enemy. Your enemy, that's the only language he cannot decode. So everything you pray in English and or Spanish, he has the ability because he also lives not in time, he lives in eternity. So he has the ability to go and put an assignment against your prayer. But when you start, he's looking around saying, what's he saying? What's he saying? I don't know what he's saying. What is he saying? Because you're not speaking to me and you're only speaking to God. so I can see you. Will you get honest with me? Yeah, keep playing, keep playing. Thank you, Lord.
when you get past what goes on at a pastor's conference, and I am one, and I've been at a thousand of these. I've been to them as a speaker. I've been to them as a student. I'm going to one next week as a student. I'm going to sit there with my iPad, and I'm going to take notes. But when you get through trying to make sure that all of your colleagues know that you're doing well, If I can get you past that a moment. How many of you, not just preachers, but in any walk of life, you are right now, during this wonderful praise service, during this worship service, and even during my preaching, you're amening, you're shouting, you're praising, and you're worshiping through frustration. You are frustrated right now at the lack of movement in your life. I want to see your hand right now. Be transparent in this place. Look around you in this place. Look around you. (laughs) Your prayer language was not meant to be done 30 seconds at the pinnacle of a good altar call. It was meant to be the language that's coming out of your mouth before your feet hit the floor in the morning so you can go ahead and release the events for your day. You don't know what's supposed to happen that day, but you have no idea what God has ordained before the ages to happen to you Monday. sometimes we take this for granted as just a Pentecostal element of our services. And I really started studying. I said, it don't have anything to do with an emotional service. God's locked my future up inside of me. He's trying to get me to speak it into the atmosphere so my faith can be released for mysteries. There are mysteries inside of me that I do not know. But they've got to be spoken or the faith is never activated. So God says, I want you to speak in this language that I'm going to give you. And when you do so, you are releasing your tomorrow in the atmosphere out of your mouth. We're so frustrated. Our life seems like it has nobody driving the car. Seems like God's taking his hand off the steering wheel. It's going all over the place and we're living our life haphazardly and cleaning up from messes and living and learn. You were never meant to live and learn. You were meant to speak the wisdom of God in the mystery. You get up in the morning and pray in the spirit. You are releasing and ordaining your day. Where you are to go, who you are to meet, and what time you are to cross paths. And it is that powerful. And you say, why would you come to a Pentecostal church of Pentecostal preachers at a Pentecostal conference and preach on the Holy Spirit? They got that down pat. Not the way I'm reading it tonight. Can I tell you what I'd like to do? I, I, I don't know what the normal custom is for what time we get out. I do know it's the last night. I'm not stupid. I do understand fatigue. I do get it. I do get you can have the best of intents and your body is just about wiped out. But there was about, if I saw it right with the eyeball, there was about 70% of the hands 
We're on the last night of the conference and seven out of ten people said, I'm frustrated. And I'm shouting and I'm praising and everything and I'm doing it while there's a, I'm a giant ball of frustration because I feel stuck. And the truth is there is nothing happening in my life. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you what I see in my head. Can I tell you what I see? I don't see people coming up here kneeling. We got a little bit of space. Some people have already gone home. So it's not quite as packed as it was last night. I'm going to tell you what I see. I see this band filling this room up with the sounds of heaven. And I want everybody that raised your hand to forget about the opinion of everybody in this room. And I want you to start walking around this building, walking around the corridors, walk to the bathroom, walk around the parking lot. I don't care what you do. Walk around the altar place. I don't know. I guess you need to stay off the stage. I don't know, but walk around the altar place. And I need you to start speaking the wisdom of God in a mystery. It's time. Can I tell you what? Shebroto. Pull that back down just a minute. Pull back. Can I tell you what I just heard the Lord say? I just heard the Lord say, if they'll obey, I will induce labor. I just heard them say, I just heard the Spirit of God say, if they'll listen to you, I will induce labor tonight. And if you believe there's something God's not going to bring to you but push out of you, right now, I want you to abandon yourself and I want you to take that frustration and turn it into your prayer language and fill this room up like Acts chapter 2 with the sound of the Holy Ghost. On the count of three, come on, one. Two, three. Come on, begin praying in the spirit. Raise it up, man. Raise it up. Raise it up. <laughs>